0: We say this every now and then. I feel like it's really important for me to say it to you today. Um, The passages that we use most Sundays are chosen by the church for us. And this is a great gift. It means that many churches throughout not just the country but the world are hearing these same scriptures this morning. Isn't that a beautiful thing to think that you really are connected to other Christians in all places and across denominations as well. It's not just Anglicans who are hearing these passages today. The the other side of this is that the church chooses the passages that we hear on Sundays. (laughs) And sometimes those are passages that we may rather not hear or maybe paired together in such a way that could make us very uncomfortable. You see, the, the common thing that you hear is you're not supposed to talk about religion or politics. And the crazy thing today is that our passages present us with probably the most controversial things in religion and in politics. Tithing and taxes. Fun times, right? <laughs> Scott, even he's like did Kelly choose this for me? Is she trying to say something to me? I do want to say a few things to you as we're getting started in these passages this morning. Um, One is the way that we approach these things as a church. These these are really important things to us as a church. So for instance, our denomination, the uh, part of the Anglican Church that we're a part of, the ACNA, in its catechism, which lays out all the uh, beliefs that we hold as a church, one of the questions in that catechism is what is a tithe? And the the idea of a tithe is very basic. The word tithe comes from a tenth. It is a portion of your income that God has said, that's mine. Really all of it's his. But he's saying, I want you to give this to me for the nurturing of worship And service to me in the world. This was the purpose of a tenth in Israel. The tenth tithe. To nurture the worship of God among the people. To take care of the people who served at the temple. And also to serve the poor. And let me tell you. That hasn't changed a lot. Right? Like the, the purpose of giving to the church is so that the worship of God can grow among us. And so that the people who serve God in the church are cared for. And let me say you, to you, I'm biased. Church of the Lamb has one of the best staffs that I know of. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this as the boss. The people who serve you are amazing. You can sh- throw all kinds of stuff at me. That's fine. The rest of them, you're not allowed. Okay? Okay. You come to me, you talk about them, that's fine, but don't throw much shade, okay? They're they're amazing. And the purpose of giving to the church is to serve and nurture worship, and one other thing, care for the poor. This is the purpose of the tithe. The leadership at Church of the Lamb is called everyone's called to tithe, but I'm trying to be very particular here. To be a part of leadership at Lamb, this is something that you have to do. One other side to this that I want you to be aware of. As pastor, I do not feel like it is my job to look at the records and to keep an eye on you. That's not the way we handle this. But when I'm pastoring you, one of the great callings is for me to talk to you about the areas of your life that you are very vulnerable to serving idols, to not serving the true God. And so this is an area of your life that we care about, not because it's selfish, but because this is an area where God wants to comfort your heart. And he knows this is an area where you are vulnerable to serving false gods and not the true God. So these are just a couple of basics about how we handle these things at Church of the Lamb. I do want to try from our passages this morning to get at the heart of what God is saying to us in these these scriptures. So in 1 Thessalonians, the passage that Zoe read for us, we have a very shorthand summary of what it meant for these people to turn from the gods that they used to serve to the true God. This is one of the earliest Christian letters, by the way. And Paul is telling them, everyone has heard about how you turned from idols to serve the living and true God. You turned from idols to serve the living and true God. Here's the thing about idols. The idea behind idols is You have so many needs in your life. You have physical needs, food, shelter, clothing, all these things. You have needs for safety, for protection. You have needs for... um, So in in the ancient world, fertility was very, very important. So many cults would be associated with sex and fertility... And these, God, these other gods. So the idea behind the idols was you have all these needs. There's no way that one single God can care for all your needs. There's no way. And so you would go to these many temples. One, to take care of your physical needs. God, make sure that the sun shines and the rain comes so that my crops can grow and my physical needs are taken care of. That's one temple. You have another temple where you would take care of your fertility needs. And then you would have another temple to take care of your safety or political needs. This is why the emperor was considered a god. Because he took care of people's safety. Politics as a god is is an eternal temptation. It's a temptation today as well. What was crazy about Christianity is Christianity came into the world and said... No. There is one God. Who has created all things. And who takes care of all your needs. He takes care of your physical needs. He takes care of your spiritual needs. And he is your protector. Don't trust in man. Trust in this only true God. And. To be honest, the point of this was not to say that all those other gods didn't exist in some way. Actually, what it was to say is that those are not equal to the true God and they will only lead you astray. In fact... In saying that they're false gods is to say that they will deceive you, they will trap you, and they will lead you in the wrong way. They're used by the evil one. There is one true God who leads you to life. So again, here's a shorthand way for what it means to follow the Lord Jesus. You turn from idols to serve the living and true God, the only God. And this leads us to our passage in Malachi. You see, the Lord is coming to his people and he is saying that you are stealing from me. You are robbing from me. We know that the Lord Jesus said that where your treasure is, where, what else will be there? Your heart. So when people have left the true God, God comes after their heart, and the way He comes after their heart, ironically, is in their money. Their money. You're stealing from me. You're robbing from me. And listen, God is going to say, it's not just people with a lot of money who struggle with this issue. It can be people with a lot of money or people with very little money who put their heart in that place of trusting In in their wealth or their lack thereof. So the Lord is telling his people. That they are called to return to him. And they say how shall we return? And God says will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. And the people say. How have we robbed you? How is it that it's possible for us to rob God? He's invisible. We can't see him. How is it possible that we can actually take what is his? Now, this is going to seem a little bit sarcastic, but I don't mean it this way. Okay? Believe me, I really don't. The Lord says in Psalm 24, 1, The earth is the Lord's and all that is thereof. Everything, right? This is said in Exodus as well. God has entrusted human beings as stewards of everything that we have. What we have belongs to God. It's not really ours. We're stewards of it. Now, what is, does it mean to rob? We, we all know this, right? It is to take what belongs to someone else and to keep it. Or it can be that we borrow what belongs to someone else, but we never give it back. Every time we keep from God what he has told us to give to him, we are robbing God. Every time that you keep back from God what he has told you to give to him, you are robbing him. This is a strong word that the Lord gives, isn't it? The Lord has insisted, he has commanded, give me a tenth of all that is yours so that the worship of me might be built up throughout the land so that the poor might be cared for. And the people have decided to withhold at least a portion of what God has commanded that they give him. The Lord says, you're robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? in your ties and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Now, this language of being cursed is the sense that God's presence is not providing a blessing to the people. It's no longer blessing them. And I want to say to all of you, if you are not living in obedience to God in this area of your life, there will be a lack of blessing over your life. Listen, this is not health and wealth. I'm not talking material wealth only. There will be areas of your life in which a lack of blessing could manifest itself because you withhold from God. I can't tell you what those areas of your life will be. It's not to say that your life will all of a sudden become perfect. But here is what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I have never met a person who said, I regretted the day I started tithing. I regretted the day that I started giving to God. You know what? When I started giving to God, my life got worse from that point forward. Life may have gotten harder in some ways, but it also got better in many other ways. There will be ways in which God withholds his blessing if you refuse to obey him in this area of your life. So God says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Do you remember I said that it's not just wealthy people who struggle with this, it's everyone. This seems to be a time in the nation of Israel when there is scarcity everywhere. They're struggling with, will there be enough? Are are our crops going to grow? And so in response, they are beginning to withhold at least a portion of the tithe. And God is saying, the way to respond to scarcity is not to stop giving. It's to keep giving and to trust me. To trust me. Give until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you. So that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear. Says the Lord of hosts. Listen. So many of us. One of the ways that we turn to idols in our life. Is we begin to trust experts more than we trust God. Let me tell you what I mean there. We can go to our financial advisors. We have financial advisors here. I'm not criticizing. There are some financial advisors who will tell you not to give. Don't give sacrificially. Don't give too much. Be careful. Make sure you store up enough for yourself. What this is telling us is that God has the levers on economic well-being more than your financial advisor does. God knows how to provide for you better than your advisors do. I'm not saying that going to experts is a bad thing. That's good. But you better make sure that you're taking counsel with God more than your other experts. God knows how to take care of you. He wants to take care of you more than you can take care of yourself. Are you trusting him in that way? And God says, then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. A land of delight. Again, I've never known people to complain after they started tithing. In fact, their life became more joyful and more full. And if you're in the place where you're struggling with this, so a few months ago while I was away on sabbatical, um, Ben Sharp, who filled in, preached on tithing, and it was soft. If you were here, it was just easy, wasn't it? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's not, if you think this is bad, go back and listen to it. And he said to people, I want to challenge you for 90 days to give. And if God doesn't provide for your needs, then you should stop. I really hope that those of you who chose to be a part of that have seen that God can provide for you. If you haven't, if you didn't jump in on that, I'm not going to tell you 90 days. I'm just telling you, start This is one of the few places where God makes a call to you, test me and see what I will do for you if you follow me in this. Will you test God? Will you? Again, God is trying to turn you from idols to himself, to the true and living God. And one of the most direct ways into any of our hearts is through our pockets and through our money. Are you giving to him? Are you trusting him? Now there's one place, one last place I want to take us, our gospel lesson. Jesus is being tested. You have these people who are coming to him and they're building him up. They're telling them all these things that are actually true. We know that you're true. We know that you're not swayed by any man. And all these things are true about Jesus, but they're just doing it to deceive him. It's the most awful thing to go to the Son of God himself and try to deceive him. I hope that you don't do this. I hope that you don't try to deceive God. So they ask him this question, should we pay the tax to Caesar? And Jesus says, you know, give me the coin. Listen, the coin that they would have used would have had the image to a false god on it. So Jesus looks at it and tells them, who's, you know, he says, whose image is on the coin? Well, it's Caesar's. And he says, you give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Listen, if you're worried about paying your taxes, stop worrying about it. I know that a lot of you have to pay more taxes than I do. I know I'm just a preacher here and a pastor. Stop worrying about paying your taxes. Pay your taxes. Do what you have to do. But here's the important thing that Jesus says. You give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but you give to God what is God's. You know whose image is on your life? God himself. You can look at that coin. You can see the image of Caesar. But whose image is imprinted on the depths of your soul? God himself. And God himself sent his son, his true and perfect image to die for you, to lay down his life for you in all your brokenness, so that he might bring you back to God and restore that true image in you. He's trying to restore his image, his fullness, his goodness in you. And the only way He can do this is if you're willing to turn from all the false gods that you trust in and turn to Him completely. Completely. Are you giving back to God what is God's? That's your very life. All of you. A tenth, in a way, is nothing. (laughs) It's just the beginning. Are you giving your life for God who gave His life for you?